The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. If you've got some um, radical new technology, you want to try to take a set of actions that maximize probably it, it will do good and minimize probably it will do bad things. Yes. Um, it, it can't just be health leather. Let's just go, you know, barreling forward and, you know, hope for the best. And then at one point, uh, I said, well, what about, you know, we're going to make sure humanity's okay here. Um, <laughs> and, 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 um, uh, and then he called me a specious. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Yeah, that's uh, Elon Musk. And um, boy, we live in a, a wild world, don't we, right now? As we are advancing and technology is making, um, I think, life better. I think it has to be handled properly. It can be abused and misused, of course. And I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again. I talk a lot about AI because I think it's going to be part of your world. And I'm always amazed at how it can, um, well, the way, way it manifests. For example, the first thoughts, oh, what's it going to do to jobs, right? That's the initial thought. But then as you kind of broaden your scope, you realize it can impact everything, including the arts, for instance, all you have to do is tell AI that you want an image of uh, the mother of God, right? Or a child in the Renaissance style. And what do you have seconds later? You know, you've got this beautiful image on the screen. It's done in Renaissance style. Maggie told me when this first came out, you can ask it to have Darth Vader landing in a, uh, you know, in a, yeah, right, right? Maggie, Maggie said in my headset, it's in a cornfield, you know, done in a Renaissance. And there it is. I mean, anything you want. Um, the same thing is happening right now with music and writing. Um, one of the reasons that scriptwriters in Hollywood went on strike is because they didn't want AI to take their jobs. But there's been a huge controversy last year because of the Grammys, they decided to allow a category for AI-generated music with human contributions. Well, we see this in the world of art. Can AI do it better? Can they do it better? AI had an ad in the Super Bowl. Yesterday, right? Uh, it's going to be hard. Politics, we're worried about deep fakes. There's a lot of stuff going on. But here's the question we have to look at. Is the art being produced by AI? Is it really art? And, and, and I'll throw one other thing out to you. We'll get to this with uh, Kathleen Carr. She was with me last week. I didn't have an opportunity to uh, spend a lot of time with her because we were in a pledge drive. But today I do. And one of the things I didn't get to talk to her about is is it possible, and this is going to sound weird, I'm going to throw it out to you anyway, and I'll, I'll unpack it for you. I think there's a case for it. Is it possible that dark spirits could manipulate this type of imagery? Is it possible that idols that seen the manifesting from culture to culture across the centuries and the millennium, are they manifesting now in AI? Maggie and I were talking about and I don't even like to use the name on the air, but I will. Maybe I shouldn't. Um, that that is manifesting now in, um, well, in AI created art. Maggie, do you want to explain that to to everyone? There was a there was a coder or an engineer that was like playing, and he's also an artist, and he was playing around with certain search and creation functions in AI, and he kept giving it different prompts to create images. And he did this, you know, so many times over and over that what he found was strangely a certain character kept popping up in 
in these images. And it was always the same image of a woman with very sunken eyes, um, almost kind of like disfigured facial features, very old, but also in a weird way, looking sort of young, um, just kind of just a creepy, creepy image. And then this fellow ended up finding this same sort of image of this woman in ancient sculpture and in old paintings, uh, like in Greek mythology. And so he was like, oh my goodness, this is really creepy that this is all of a sudden just like generating an AI nonstop. Yeah. And I'll, I'll tell you more about that too. It's kind of, it was very creepy when we saw it, right, Maggie? Because you showed it to me online. It was like, Haunting. And I don't want to promote it. You know, I'm not here to glorify it, but it just, uh, I think it's, I think it's worth talking about. We'll, we'll get into that with my next guest, uh, Kathleen Carr. If you want to join us, feel free to dial in. It's 888-914-9149. We had, as I said, a very short conversation with her last week because we were having a pleasure. So I said, look, we've got to come back. Um, she is troubled personally by what she sees happening with artificial intelligence and art. She's the president of the Catholic Art Institute, as well as a contemporary realist painter. A painter, And you can check out uh, her and, and some wonderful uh, wonderful resources at the Institute of Catholic Art. That's the Institute at Catholic... Well, let me try it again. CatholicArtInstitute.org, I think, is a website. You can email her probably at that other address. But CatholicArtInstitute.org, and it's great to have her with us today. I think she also has a website, CarFineArt.com, if I remember correctly. And if you want to spell her name two R's at the end of it. Kathleen, welcome back. Good to have you with me again. Thanks for having me back. Delighted. Could you help me? We got the right website. Is it catholicartinstitute.org? Did I get that right? Yes, that's, that's correct. Uh, that's the, that's the organization's website. And the other is my personal website. That sounds great. So yeah, there's so much to talk about. I'm not even sure where to start with. Um, Let's start with the, the the spirit, all right, the spiritual stuff, which is kind of creepy. Um, you know, we didn't talk about that last week, and we can go back. I do want to talk about other things like some of the AI that – well, maybe before we get to that, let's back up and just talk about what we're seeing in an age of technology that we have right now. Um, can artificial intelligence emulate, you know, uh, sacred art? Can it do it? I, some of the art I've seen has images of the Virgin Mary with like three fingers or an image of St. Michael. Uh, or the Virgin Mary had six, St. Michael had three, and he had the sword in his left hand. And there's there's all this weird stuff It doesn't seem to get right when it does religious art. So may, maybe explain to us what sacred art is and whether or not AI is just beginning to learn how to do it or whether it'll never be able to do it. Sure. Well, sacred art is it's a human activity. So, I mean, there's one distinction that I think really sets it apart from what, it, what AI is doing, which is basically making a search of thousands of images and uh, collating them or turning them into a pastiche of whatever search terms you put in. So it's a computer program. It's simply co compositing, you know, Im images across, you know, film stills, photography, Renaissance paintings, as you referenced earlier, as opposed to sacred art, which is the work of, of human hands in cooperation with grace. And, and um, you know, art is really a human activity, so a computer cannot do it. But then when we look at the category of sacred art, we look at the incarnation of Christ, and this is where um, sacred art started to grow from is, you know, creating a home for the Eucharist and the churches and the, and the murals and the 
um, images that are reflections of heaven, which artists create. Um, and the early iconographers, which is were the first images that were being created for the church, um, the artists would prepare themselves with fasting and prayer, and this imbued the work. Um, and they, you know, it was hand created. And there's only a, there's a beautiful look, and a human needs to be involved in this endeavor for it to really be sacred art. Um, the work will be imbued by the sacrifice that's made because to create something that's beautiful, particularly as the church and the arts um, evolved, it's it's quite an intensive labor to create something that's you know as beautiful as Caravaggio. Yeah. So um, in that way, I you know that that's that's where this sets this apart um you know also you know john paul ii talked about how artists um by making this sacrifice are a bit like a priest um offering this sacrifice back to god and so when we're when we're creating a church building or any um you know it's it's a it's a setting for god being made present um on the altar in in a church building with all of the sacred art that accompanies it um, we want to give our best to God, so it's a work of sacrifice, you know, and it's and and work dignifies a human being. And so, this is where I have pause with AI. Um, now, can it generate something that's approximate to um, something that has, has been created? Yes, I have seen images that are beautiful to a certain degree, but as you said, I do see strange things that continue to come up. It's not able to understand Catholic theology for a start. Um, there's a lot of weird distortions, um, and I don't understand why so often yeah. uh, figures of our Lord and Our Lady have six fingers. I it seems know. to be the thing. It's six fingers, which is, I'm sorry, it's just a bit weird. But the deformations, too, are something that's disturbing, because as we know, you know, the devil wants to dis- distort. And in historical Catholic art, demons and the demonic is always, you know, oftentimes these creatures that are deformed in certain ways. Things are, are, you know, out of order. There's parts that are in the wrong place. I mean, if you look at the work of Bruegel or um, uh, Hieronymus Bosch, you know, famous Catholic art, the the figures of the demonic are always this way. And this is what I see a lot in, in AI. Now, is this just something that happens yeah. because it can happen when it's doing something that isn't sacred art? Yeah, that sure does happen. But then you have to kind of look at, yeah. have you ever listened to The Exorcist? You know, Monsignor oh, yeah. Rossi will talk about this. Um, when he has been in heavy exorcism sessions, he will get text messages or, yeah. um, you know, the equipment that he's using can stop functioning. And, and I have to say that this has happened to me, when I'm trying to do a podcast that I know is going to glorify God, I know it's happened to the canons regular, mm-hmm. often when they've been trying to live stream mass, um, you know, so in order to get around this, usually we just bless the, the equipment and then the problem tends to go away. So, yeah. I, you know, I don't want to be looking for Satan under every rock. Yeah. Um, you know, you could be accused that you're nuts to even bring this up, but oftentimes it seems too coincidental. and. Yeah. When we have a depiction of our Lord and Our Lady, which, you know, it's being deformed and distorted in ways like that that seem to repeat themselves, like the story you just referenced, yep. 
it's a little much for me, and it makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. So, so yeah, you know, I've, I've looked at some of the art that's out there. You know, there, there's an AI image of uh, like the nativity scene, and there's an angel that has three arms, no wings. St. Joseph has three arms. On the floor of the crib, the infant Jesus is a, a baby with two heads. And I'm thinking, how can AI get this so wrong, right? I mean, I, you know, maybe it's inf maybe we're in the very beginning stages of it, and it will get it right. If you look closely at the particular image I saw, our lady had no legs. She was sitting on straw with Jesus. It's weird, absolutely weird. There was an image of St. Michael, the archangel, that they had in this particular piece too. And at first he seemed very beautiful and amazing, but as you you zoom in on this thing, there are a lot of theological errors. And you talk about sacred art and kind of the imagery and, and the messaging that is sent there in the art. Um, you know, St. Michael has only three fingers on his left hand in the painting. And in the Bible, it's, you know, it's uh, only the, the Nephilim, the, the demon giants who are deformed and have six fingers and six toes. So when you mentioned these sixes, it makes me wonder if there's something more to the picture than meets the eye. Or is it just early in development right now? Uh, and, and here's the thing. We'll take a few calls for you. Because uh, I wonder, you know, if I want to have a family portrait done and I upload a picture of the Mariani family and I say, do this in the style of Caravaggio, right? Uh, it'll crank it out, or at least I think it would. That seems like a pretty good thing. When it comes to religious art, it seems to have a, a real problem. Do you think, and we can get back to the spiritual, that in the future instead of going to a real artist to get that pay, that, that that family portrait, you'll be able just to upload that photograph and you'll get a Rembrandt, a Giotto, a Caravaggio, anything you want? Well, I think it's certainly possible that it, it could get sophisticated enough. Um, if you want to have a printed image like that in your house, um, it's just never going to be the same thing and as beautiful as a painting. I mean, I've, I've worked from photographs. This is very common when you're trying to do portrait work and you work from life, but then you can't have the person sitting in front of you for several weeks. Cause this is really what it takes mm -hmm. to generate a, a very classical painting. Um, but the work is always transformed and it's always more beautiful in person yeah. than a photograph. And, you know, I, pho I photograph my own work cause I'm trained that way. And it's, you know, a lot of adjustment that has to happen in Photoshop to even try to get those colors balanced and right. And it's just never as beautiful as what you're standing yeah before in person. There's just something that's that's never going to replace. A photograph yeah. and a printed photograph, even of an actual painting, yeah. is never the same thing as the painting. So I would argue, you know, if it's you've got a budget and that's what you want to do, right. yeah, I think it could do it. Sure. But, you know, is it going to be as nice as something that a person could do themselves? Right. No. And then the thing about AI is it will always just keep homogenizing from itself. And at what point are that we going to not have people that have those skills anymore because they simply can't make a living, you know, and they're not there to teach future generations. And you just have this computer that's just referencing and re-referencing and re-referencing itself. We have a loss of creativity there, which, you know, bothers me. It's dehumanizing ultimately, you know. That's what the Holy Father said, though, too, didn't he? Pope Francis, I think there was a deep fake on him wearing some sort of ski jacket or something like that. And then yeah. <laughs> afterwards, the, the Vatican came out and, um, you know, Pope Francis said that in this digital wilderness, um, we have to have some reservations um, about the you know, efficiency of, of AI and his concerns 
were not just about the dehumanization uh, of art, but about the very act of, of creation. He says that binds humanity to the creator. And, you know, it's an interesting thought yeah. to ponder the, mm -hmm. the, the sacred art. You know, is it merely a visual form or is it a conduit of divine grace, a visual prayer, you know, crafted well, by human hands? It's true. It's a vocation. I mean, it's we are called by God as artists, you know, to what is the purpose of, of art? Well, it's to honor and glorify God. I, you know, as an artist, I want to pour out my gifts and myself and my love into this work for him, for his greater glory. And it draws the faithful, who I also love, to reverence um, and, in, and into his presence. I mean, this is an important aspect of why the arts matter and are important. And when all of this starts getting replaced across every sector, this is where I see a very troubling world. Um, we're getting into this, yeah. this, everything is, we don't know what's real anymore. And it's filtering into every single sector. And at what point I don't want to live in a silo where I only look yeah. at the world through art and sacred art. What is this going to do for people's employment across all of these yeah. things? Well, you know, I, I let's wonder do this. how we're going to make a living. Let's <laughs> grab some calls. I know a lot of people have got sure. some uh, insights they want to offer. If you want to get in, I have about 10 more minutes with Kathleen Carr, but we're taking a look at AI generated art and sacred art and some of the weirdness that's also now manifesting, especially with religious AI generated art. Jim is in Chicago. Jim, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon. What is positive about uh, artificial intelligence? I, ca I can't seem to find anything that's positive about it, besides being a money-making scheme. Oh, I think I think what? it's the future, Jim. I love I, I love artificial intelligence. That might surprise people. Um, it's like the internet and how it changed things. We're going to take this to a whole new level. The research it can do, how it can aid science, uh, the computations it, it'll be able to do to make things more efficient in terms of logistics and sales and a whole litany of other things, even in some of the creations that we are now seeing. But there we have to draw the line, right, Kathleen? I, I, look, this is inherently, in my opinion, a neutral entity. You know, it's ones and zeros, it's algorithms, it's computer code. If it's used for good, goods are multiplied. If it's used for evil, evil can be multiplied. But, but I'll let you respond to Jim as well. Yeah, I, I mean, in terms of the category of creativity, you know, it, it's a human endeavor that I find a little bit disturbing, you know, and I, I certainly think that the, the line needs to be drawn if uh, somebody is going to have a notion of printing these things and putting them in a church. I feel like that is really crossing the line. Um, in terms of generating images, you just have to be careful to look at them because oftentimes they're just adding really strange things that are just yeah. theologically not not correct and i see that a lot of people are doing this and then sharing them online and they'll say you know this is for the feast of the sacred heart of jesus and he's his heart is not there it's some strange eliminated crucifix a cross or and he's got too many fingers and i think there's a lack of like being careful about this yeah. and, and i kind of have problems with that nonetheless because it's still not generated by an artist you know but it's lesser a problem, I think, in that um, in that way than it would be that somebody says, well, it, you know, let's just save money and print this and hang it in the church. And I would say to that, no, because really we should be making a sacrifice to God. I mean, and this is what built a lot of the great churches, you know, when there wasn't patronage. Like St. John Cantus in Chicago, those parishioners pulled together their money and donated a month's salary, and this is what built that beautiful church, you yeah, know? That's for sure. Um well 
Let's do this. We only have a few minutes. We'll go to Tom in Tucson, Arizona. He may have an, an answer for what we're seeing. Tom, good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon. Say, um, just to kind of double down on what your uh, guest is talking about, you know, a poor master will produce poor apprentices. Mm. So these are reinforced training modules. So, um, you know, um, specifically, when you're talking about the spookiness yeah. of these um, similarities that come out underneath and then how it ties into ancient art where you see these similarities, yeah. it's actually mathematically explainable. Um, and really, it, your guest was also hitting on this as well. It's, 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 a, it's a problem with resolution. So the more you use the tool, the more you're going to get access to the model underneath. Um, in neural networks, we call them the hidden layers. Mm -hmm. So basically what you're seeing is the low resolution of the base model. If you keep averaging um, your points down to, you know, think of like a, you know, an eight bit, you know, you get blockiness. So this is really just the averaging of our normal features down to a low resolution composite. And again, you know, the more you use it, um, the more you'll be, the more you'll expose those hidden layers. So, so Tom, it's you're really saying the six thing. fingers on the Virgin Mary or the, the demon showing up in some of these things is at the base level? Yeah, a lot of that's at the base level. Um, so you're going to, I'm also highly spiritual mm -hmm. and I also experience um incursions and i so i understand that so i wouldn't write that off completely but i would um propose that it's more of the incursions of who's doing the training so if you do poor training you're going to get poor results i think it's a great point tom thank you i have a few minutes so i'm going to get back to kathleen on that i think it's a it's a great point i i don't like to look at anything through just you know, one set of frames here. And I, I think that there's probably a mathematical and logical explanation for some of these anomalies that we see in some of this religious art. But back to your point, Kathleen, because I think this is, this, this is worth underscoring. Um, exorcists and spiritual leaders have, gosh, they've long warned about the dangers of demonic infestation in inanimate objects, right? The, um, we see this in cell phones, sending texts to exorcists, you know, saying all sorts of things for the possessed person. Um, it's almost like we have an ancient spirit in a new medium. And like there's this particular... Be, I, I don't, it's, it seems to be especially around things that are electronic is my understanding. I yes. mean, from listening to my father, Chad Ripperger right. and uh, Monsignor Rossi and others really talk about this. It's electronic, which seems that they really infiltrate. So I'm, I hate to break in. Sorry about no, that. No, no, no. Go right ahead. I, I, th I think you're right. I mean, the, the internet, smartphones, digital platforms, you know... Uh, they're all electronic. And um, is it possible the spirit could use those to communicate to the exorcist? Could they do that to dis distort the message or the image of something that is indeed holy? Um, you know, this, this spirit that we're talking about, I'm not using the name on the air, um, it was an AI-generated image that has spawned increasingly disturbing content. And, and you know, when Maggie showed it to me, it just disturbed my spirit. And this is a, a spirit that they see in ancient civilizations you know, across the centuries, different parts of the world. And it's almost like that spirit is now manifesting somehow within the... Um, within this particular platform. So what advice would you give to those who are listening? I mean, um, you know, how do you, how do we use this for good and for beauty? 
Um, and at the same time, how do we safeguard ourselves from this being manipulated or, or being used in a fashion that uh, glorifies evil? Well, I think that, you know, to be very careful in looking at what is generated if before you go ahead and share it or reshare it, I've seen that I think people are, you know, they mean well, but they're not sensitive enough. And when we already have an existing great patrimony of sacred art, I'm not sure why we have to generate some of these things, which more often than not, I'm sorry, in my estimation, the style is, is, is wrong. You know, these things look like they're more fitting on a Metallica album cover or <laughs> they're sort of a very sugary, sweet um, depiction that would remind you of a Coca-Cola ad from the 1800s, which is a little not appropriate for sacred art. So, you know, anything that's 75 years and older, you know, is copyright free you know you can go online and get you know so much of what's there plus we have a lot of sacred artists that are you know creating new art and i recognize them every year in our our juried art show um the sacred art prize you could see the winners on our um on our website and and you know so there's there's artists that are making work today that's extremely beautiful and fitting which you know could be shared in lieu of simply using um ai but and, and, and you know the other thing that could be used with it is, you know, if you, something is beautiful, but it's still creating extra fingers and strange things that yep. could be corrected when it's transformed into a painting, I could see maybe yep. an argument there. But I just think we have to yep. be careful about just the fact that this is dehumanizing yep. society and it, it's getting weirder, you know. It is. Let me ask you a final question on, on this, though, from, from your perspective. Uh, AI may have a critical shortfall when it comes to art i mean because you know it really can't and maybe i'm wrong correct me if i'm wrong on this can it create anything new does it replicate without human creativity if you know what i'm saying does it take existing styles of art and imagery and then somehow represent that where you know you're lacking the go ahead do you get my point i mean can it create or, or or can it not and how do we define that because you are the author um, putting in terms, and so it's just borrowing and then churning out something. So in a sense, yes. I mean, the images are new, newly created images based upon it searching all these various styles and things. And, it, you know, it can come up with really amazing results, some of which are interesting um, some of which, you know, it's like you can get some really kooky stuff, yep. but some of it can be beautiful. I mean, yes, it's very powerful. And I, I don't want to talk from a, a perspective that I'm paranoid and it's I'm just trying to empire build and I'm going to lose my job. I just feel like we are going to, we're going to, like, culture comes from humanity and humans. And yep. when we start to lose that and the skills and really the human input and creativity, that's 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 a... A strange yeah, no, place we're going to be, and everything's going to just be this homogenization of AI and more AI and yeah. AI again. And we're, where AI is initially starting out yeah. these days with original work, you know, from humans, you know, but then where it's going to happen when all of it's doing is borrowing from itself down and right. down and no, down no. the line, and then there's no painting anymore because nobody can paint. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Hey, uh, Kathleen, I'm grateful for your time and for your input. It's great. I was thinking about the image of Divine Mercy. I asked AI to create one for me, and it could not do that, right? Um, and I think of the the artist who had took direction from St. Faustina, and he created that original image. I wonder if that image that we have would even exist today 
if we tried to have AI do it or we needed the human hand behind it. So we'll see how this yeah. develops as those algorithms get better and as AI continues to learn. I'm grateful for you. If people want to follow you, uh, it's carfinearts.com. They can check out your work there, right? And catholicartinstitute.org is the other, other resource? Yes, Catholic Art Institute. Yes, and we have many amazing events coming up. Our conference is going to be at Catholic University this year. Um, we will talk about this and, you know, right. sacred art, architecture, and, and um, you know, we have a retreat coming up, a short film festival, right. et cetera. So well, uh, check us out and sign up for our, our email yep. newsletter. Well, thanks for coming back. I hope to talk again, yeah. okay? Yeah, please do. Yeah, thank Appreciate you. It. It's good to talk about this. Thanks for having me you on. You got it. That's Kathleen Carr. I have to take a break. When we come back, I'm going to change gears just slightly. I knew a girl that was sick, and I was around her friends. They're a bunch of millennials, and I heard them say, oh, we'll send you good vibes. Oh, you know, you're sending out, you know, uh, energy to the universe. Um, praying to the universe, right? Sending good vibes. I, I want to take a look at that. Good upholds the universe. God is good, right? Can the universe do anything for you? And we'll take a look at that and a lot more when I return. Stay with me. The Drew Mariani Show. Hi, Drew. Thank you. Thank you for your show. This is The Drew Mariani Show. Marvelous show on the radio right now. On Relevant Radio. Hey, looking for a new job? How about one that offers opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash Forrester. An Illinois Life Insurance Society. Not available in all states. Today I want to touch upon this somewhat new agey idea of spreading good vibes. This idea that certain people, certain media that we consume has good vibes and we enjoy it. It makes us feel relaxed, makes us feel calm. Sometimes we feel like whatever we're consuming, whatever we're watching, has a similar energy to us, a similar frequency, and we're drawn to that, this having good vibes. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. I've been hearing this a lot. I want to talk about it. I'd love your take, too. Feel free to join me anytime. 888-914-9149. That'll get you to the conversation. A couple of weeks ago, we had a great discussion about family estrangement, right? Families, for one reason or another, simply, I don't know, they just stopped talking to one another. Maybe the father and son stopped talking or the siblings stopped talking or kids are breaking it off with their parents. And this springboard for that discussion came from an article from a woman who has seen it in her own family and who's hearing all kinds of things from people on social media um, and even gave them tips on how to go ahead and estrange yourself from your family. It was weird, right? That's part of the culture war we're in. So the author's daughter and her husband have avoided contact with the family for a while. And the author ended her piece by saying, so I'm not going to sit here and say, I don't understand why my daughter avoids our family. I understand. And I miss her like crazy, but I honor her space and I pray to the universe that someday things will change. I pray to the universe. Why are you praying to the universe? Talk about sending your prayers into the ether, right? Isn't it easier just to pray to God? I mean, we've so rejected him. That last sentence is what got me. I mean, the universe always seems, and at least to me, it's pretty impersonal. Uh, if you go outside, you look at the stars, you know, uh, you can look up, the. you see the creation of God behind all that, right? But I hear this all the time. It's become part of a popular lexicon, if you will. I mean, I, I was sharing with you before the break, I, I hear these young kids now saying, say, if, like I said, one of my daughter's friends was sick, and I heard a bunch of people, her other friends say to her, oh, we'll send you good vibes. We're going to send you some good thoughts. Yeah, hoping you get better. We'll send you good thoughts. <laughs> your thoughts, your vibes, 
Your good energy? That's that's going to help? It's so new agey, isn't it? It's weird. Uh, and I think that kind, yeah, I, I think we know um, uh, there's no hope without God. I mean, that that's a waste of time, sending good thoughts and good energy. But the question you got to ask, um, you know, how do we get to this point? Are, are people equating the universe to God? Are they equating good vibes to Christian belief? Uh, Dr. Peter Kloponis, when he was all with me, he's a psychologist, by the way, and a founder of a wonderful counseling service it's called Integrity Counseling Service in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. He um, he said, you really should do a show on this. You should talk about people praying to the universe, you know, sending out good vibes. So I've invited him back. If you want to check him out, um, he's got a site online, Integrity Counseling PA.com, integritycounselingpa.com, deals with marriage and family therapy and pastoral counseling and men's issues and pornography and excessive anger and a whole litany of things. Um, it's great to have him back once again. Doctor, thank you for your time. Good afternoon. Oh, thank, thank you for having me back. It's great to be here. Well, I, I love the suggestion. I've been wanting to talk about this for a while. Then when one of my producers, when Todd said to me, oh, Dr. Kloponis says you should do something on praying to the universe. Sounds spiritual, but but not religious. Um, give me your take on this. What is driving the societal push towards this mindset? Well, I, I think there's a lot of things out there. I, I, I believe that, first of all, you know, religion has gotten a bad name. You know, I think a lot of people, when they hear the word religion, they associate it with rules. You know, if you're going to subscribe to a religion, you have to follow a certain number of rules, which is true. Okay. Mm -hmm. But a lot of people today in today's society don't want to follow rules. Uh, they want to make their own rules. So, you know, this way, you know, if, if you're not praying to God, you're praying to the universe. Well, guess what? You know, you, you can make your own rules with this. Uh, but what I find fascinating is deep down the fact that people talk about being spiritual, praying to the universe, sending good vibes, good energy tells me that deep down, you know, on an innate level, there's this realization that there, there, there is this need to pray. Yeah. There is this, this need to turn to uh, a deity, uh, you know, something that's really, you know, yeah, there's the universe, but who or what's in control of the universe? All right, that's what it leads to. So there definitely is this need, they're yearning to connect with God. They're yearning to connect with him, but because I believe religion has gotten such a bad rap that they don't know how, they don't know how to do it. And so they're, you know, they're, they're, they're latching on to many of these, these new age thoughts and philosophies, but really at the end of the day, it's a need for God. There truly is that need. So what's hindering you know, their relationship with him? I mean, a whole generation of people, we talk about the nuns, the NWDSs, no. right? Who say, uh, there's a higher power. There's a God. I don't need organized religion. What's fostering that movement? What's hindering people from saying, I'm well, going to pray to God for you, rather than saying, I'm going to pray to the universe or send you some good thoughts? Well, we have a, a, a heavily secularized society. You know, we talk about, you know, the United States being a Christian society. Well, it has become more and more like European societies, very, very secularized. Uh, and it's, it's becoming really unpopular to talk about God. You know, if, if you're mentioning the name God, you talk about praying to God, then somehow, you know, you are just old-fashioned, you're behind the times, you're unscientific or whatever it is, but it's just not fashionable now. Uh, and it's safer just to say that you're spiritual and not religious. But I think, you know, there's, there's the secularization of our society. There's the breakdown of the family. 
you know, I think for a lot of people, there's a very deep father wound with their own earthly father, which prevents them from really being able to connect with their heavenly father. So, so I believe it, it is multifaceted, but it does go back to the point that, you know, we do have a need to connect with God. People are yearning for it, but they just don't know how. Yeah, my guest today is Dr. Peter Kaponis. If you want to join us, feel free to dial in. Maybe you're experiencing this in your own circle. Um, maybe you got some insight. Uh, maybe you used to believe that. Uh, feel free to call 888-914-9149. I'll take a few of your calls in a second. 888-914-9149. So I guess the million-dollar question is, how do we help people get beyond this impersonalness, if you will? How, how do we help them to see the very real, personal love that is God? Well, I think you're, you're hitting on something very important, that personal love. So when people say, well, you know, I, I said a prayer to the universe or I'm spiritual, you, you, you'd be able to say, you know, yeah, that's great. But what I have is more personal. You know, it's, it's okay to be spiritual and that's great, but, but I have a loving father in heaven that I can turn to. And I know it's always out there watching out for me. You know, when we can talk about that mm -hmm. in a very personal way, in a way that, that speaks to whoever it is that, that there is a God that loves them, sure, they may reject you. They may say, okay, yeah, that's good for you, but not for me. That's fine. You're planting a seed. Right? You're planting a seed, and I think that's, yeah. that's what we all need to do. We need to be planting these seeds to make people start to think about who or what are they turning to when they're in need, all right? Is it just the universe, or is it something more personal, more, right. uh, more effective? So, but like I said, just just plant those seeds. Yeah. Now, are people afraid though of that personal love of God? Mm. Because once they identify that there is a God, suddenly that demands, I think, a change—a change in their lifestyle. It demands mm -hmm. a certain accountability. There's a certain consequence for the rejection of that that divine person who is God. I agree. And, and like I said, there are rules, you know, <laughs> 10 specific ones. Uh, but they, that's something, you know, like you said, there, along with that, there's accountability. There is responsibility. Right. Yeah. So, but with that responsibility actually comes freedom. That does, that doesn't yeah. tie people down. It actually leads to more freedom. Yeah. No kidding. No kidding. Well, doctor, hold the thought. I'm going to take a short pause here. We'll come back. Okay. Our final segment lies ahead of us. And if you want to join us, I'll go to the phones when we come back. You can get in right now. Number's 888-914-9149. Taking a look at praying to the universe, sending good vibes, good thoughts, good energy. You might hear that a lot today. How do we get to that point? Uh, ultimately, how do you how do you correct that course? So many people are going down a really a, a tragic path. And uh, we'll talk about that more. In fact, uh, doctor, maybe we'll even talk about the need for God in therapy. I know that's a big part of what you do. And a lot of people don't want God in therapy. So when we come back, we'll grab your calls. We'll talk more with Dr. Peter Klaponis. Stay with me. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Thanks to network sponsor PushPay. PushPay offers parishes, a platform for tracking donations and sacraments, overseeing schedules, mobile apps to help manage your administrative load, and much more. Info at relevantradio.com slash pushpay. That's relevantradio.com slash pushpay.
Weigh in now. 888-914-9149. You're listening to The Drew Mariani Show. Hey, thanks for joining me. It's good to be here with you today. Let me ask you a quick question, and uh, feel free to join me. We can talk about it. Do you hear people in your circle say, you know, man, I'm going to send you some good energy. I hope you feel better. I'm going to send you some good vibes, some good thoughts, or you know, I'm going to pray to the universe. You know, good vibes only, right? As if though the universe or those vibes are going to intervene in the lives. As if though it's a divine presence, right, that can be... Swayed by your wishes, by your energy, right? It's so weird. It really is for me. But you know what it says to me as I was thinking about this? It really reflects a deeper spiritual hunger that's in our society. A hunger for connection, for meaning, for something greater than ourselves. And it's a, you know, the people are shifting away from a traditional understanding of a God and his role in their lives. They're rejecting it, hoping that they're going to get the same results. But the idea of the universe is a divine force. I think it's appealing because it's impersonal, right? It doesn't demand change. It doesn't demand repentance or accountability. It allows people to craft their own spirituality. You know, there's no challenge to it. They don't need to be in a relationship. And therein lies the problem, saying, oh, the universe, with all of its splendor and, and, and you know, mystery, it's, it's going to help me. Like, it can't love you back. The universe is an inanimate object. It can't hear your prayers. It can't forgive your sins. It can't offer you salvation. It is a creation. It's not the creator. And that's really the heart of all this, right? You and I are creatures. God's not an impersonal force. He's a father. He knows you intimately. He hears your every prayer, and he wants your good. So as you navigate this world, and you see this in your family and amongst your friends, amongst your coworkers, Hold fast to the faith that's been handed down to us, right? Know that in God, you're going to find the fullness of life. I'm joined today by Dr. Peter Kloponis. Uh, he's a man who understands this very well. He actually suggested uh, last time he was on, you really should address this. We're hearing much more of it. And doctor, we can talk about it in therapy and practice as well. But first, let's do this. Let's grab some phone calls, another number of people waiting very patiently to join the conversation. Roy is up first. He is in Madison, Wisconsin. Roy, good afternoon. Good afternoon, my friend, Drew. Man, I love you, Drew. Oh, You're the <laughs> best. A great topic. Thanks, Roy. Oh, and we made our goal last week. <laughs> hey, I'm happy about that. We but, did. Uh, hey, yeah, say, it made me immediately think of uh, it, Star Wars started it, I thought. You guys, the doctor sort of looked, may the force be with you. What did we used to say? God be with you, right? And and they changed it, may the force be with you. Do you remember from yeah, the Star sure. Wars movie? Absolutely. And I... Yeah, and I think they were like the force. Yes, the force of the universe. Let go, Luke, of the controls and let the force guide you. And then the other thing I wanted to mention was that uh, God, um, uh, well, that, that was the main thing about letting the force be with you. But so many people today, I think, are looking for less, you mentioned it, less rules. Uh, we go to a smaller church. I used to go to a several thousand family mega church here in Madison. And uh, I've got people that I said, why don't you come and try our little local Bible church? Well, because you have to get involved. Mm -hmm. We just like to blend in, right. come to church, do our 45 minutes, and then we did our thing, like check it right, off the right. list, you know? And so I just wanted, this is such a great topic, but I, I just thought we it needs to be addressed by relevant radio too. Everybody Amen. that listens to relevant radio, 
to go out and get more people listening to Ralph. You guys are the best thing since I'm serious. Roy, we love, love you. you. You've been a longtime listener, a great supporter, and I love your passion. Uh, it's infectious. It really is. Uh, let me let Dr. Kloponis respond to you as well. You heard Roy's uh, comments, Doctor. You want to have anything you want to add? You're right. Like you said, it's, it's, it's sort of that um, secularization of our culture where, you know, it's, it's, it's not about God anymore. It's just about, you know, this, this, this force <laughs> that's yeah. out there somewhere in the universe. And, you know, and it's, it's really, it's a shame because, you know, we need a personal God. We were created for a personal God yeah. that we can have a personal relationship. You can't have a personal relationship with the universe, no. you know, or some unnamed force that's out there. You know, this is where it's so important. God is a person, and we need that. We need Him in this. So, yep. and this is why I, th I think it's okay to share with people who say, "Well, you know, I'm praying to the universe, or I'm sending you advice." They say, "That's great, but yeah. you know, I've I've got something better here. I've got something more yeah, personal, more intimate, and that's my relationship with God." And you don't have to get into it. You don't have to proselytize or anything. Amen. But you know, like I said, you you just you just plant the seeds. Elizabeth is in Austin, Texas. Elizabeth, you're on the air with Dr. Kloponis. Good afternoon. Yes, thank you very much for this topic. Uh, Y'all got to rise out of me with this topic uh, because my boss is always saying, uh, well, thank the universe or today's flower power day or whatever lame uh, thing she comes up with. And uh, let's, let's uh, do this for the flowers or let's do this for the universe or the stars are lining up. And I'm like... Good grief. Can we not think of something else? So uh, one of the things she opened up with was let's go ahead and take five minutes and write what, we're, what we think or things of that nature. So we did. First, the person that shared on Teams, because we all, we all work from home, right. uh, was they wanted to know why vampires' teeth are so white. And I was like, no, we belong. And to myself, I was thinking we belong to God. We were created for God. Some of us don't know it. Yeah. So I never share anything. <laughs> but I did that day. Good and I, for said, you. I wrote a list for praying to God for peace, for the anti-racial discrimination. And I just went on and on and on. And I had so many likes on what I wrote. Oh. And lo and behold, my boss never did a freebie of let's let's share what we think. <laughs> uh, but I was not going to hear Satan. Uh, Satan can save in hell. Yeah. I didn't want to have anything to do with that. Well, so, Elizabeth, God. God bless you. I'm, I'm glad you spoke up. It's hard to do sometimes in the workplace, but I think you made a huge difference. And, and, and Doctor, she also hit on something else. You know, they're they're talking about flowers and nature. This is really, in some respects, a form of idolatry, isn't it? I don't know if people recognize that. The, the earth worship, the universe worship. Yep. And I just yeah. her point just made that more resonant with me. Yeah. And I would agree. You know, and when you get in a chance, when a chance like that, yeah, acknowledge all those wonderful things and say, yeah, and I thank God who created them. So, well, so again, you're you're, you're planting that seed, Doctor. Let me just change gears quickly on this as well, because we're we're talking about sending good vibes and energy and praying to the universe. But you're a therapist, and and I, and I want to I want what's your take on this? You deal with people who suffer anxiety and depression and countless other mental struggles, and you know, as a society, we're we're grappling with an epidemic of loneliness and despair and emptiness, and. 
you know, I personally believe, I know you do too, that God is really necessary in therapy. If I had to recommend anybody to go to a therapist, I'd want them to speak to a, a good Catholic therapist or somebody who can bring that messaging into that relationship because he's the ultimate healer. He's the one who knows us intimately, uh, you know, more than we know ourselves, really. And, and he sees the wounds hidden from the world. How important is God in therapy? A lot of people want to keep it out of there, but, but I think that's a critical mistake. Oh, God is so important in therapy because, you know, psychology is a wonderful tool, uh, but that's all it really is, is a tool. You know, God is the ultimate healer, you know, and it's kind of funny, you know, you know God, God is sort of funny this way. He's, you know, when we turn to God for healing, he wants us to be specific about it. You know, don't just say, Lord, heal me and say, Lord, heal me, heal me from my stress, my anxiety, my depression, whatever it is. So God wants us to be specific about it. And of course, the psychology helps uncover what's going on. What, what's the, what's the root cause of everything? You know, what's the origin of it? But then, then we turn to God for the healing. All right. And I think we need to have God in that mix for healing. And that's what I found. And I've had so many people come to me that said, yeah, you know, I went to a secular therapist and we talked and we talked and we talked, but we really never got anywhere. Wow. So I said, yeah, you know, we need to turn to the ultimate healer here, the ultimate physician for that help. All right. And that's where we come to bring this together and it works. My guest today, uh, is, uh, Dr. Peter Kulponis, is success uh, greater when you have God in that therapy session versus not? I, I know there's certain strategies and other areas that can bring healing as well, but but do you see a greater success rate in terms of... We do, and we, and we, and we know for a fact that faith-based uh, recovery and healing programs are far more effective than secular ones. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, this this is why we have a whole field of... of you know, pastoral counseling, Christian counseling, Christian psychology. There, there's so much there. All right, wow. there's, there's just so much there. All right, let's grab another call. We have a minute or two left. Tracy is in Colorado. Hi, Tracy. Good afternoon. How you doing, Drew? Well, hey, I, I was listening to your guest, and it sounded like he made a reference to the Ten Commandments, and that's the, that, that, that's the way to go, you know. Nobody can disagree with thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house and, and the rest of the commandments. Follow, follow, follow that, that, that value, and, and that, that's what's most important. And Ryan, thank you very much, Tracy. I appreciate that. Kathy and Park Ridge, we'll give you the final word here, too. We only have less than a minute for you. Okay. I just wanted to say that this idea of omitting God from our universe so to speak, has gone all the way back. I listened to uh, The Bells of St. Mary. What a beautiful uh, film. Yes, However, when they said the Pledge of Allegiance, it's hard to find any oh. um, version of that that they reference into this um, yep. God in the uh, the uh, Pledge of Allegiance when the kids are saying that. Yeah. This goes way back, and I do believe that um, we're inundated, um, even in the movies, with seances and witchcraft. And I think once, once you see that, you have to just get away from it. Well, Kathy, thank you. i got to hold it right there because I'm out of time. I think it's a valid point. Doctor, I'm grateful for your time. Thank you for being here. I thank hope people you. will check you out at IntegrityCounselingPA.com. I got that right. I hope. Did I? Thank you. All right. It's Dr. Peter Kulponis, a very gifted psychologist and founder of that great organization. I'm out of time for the day. Until next time, God bless you.